Hey everyone, welcome to the debut episode of Cousins Breaking Kayfabe. Uh, both here in Buffalo, I am Andy, joined by my lovely cousin May. Hello, y'all. And uh, to start off our debut podcast, and since it's the beginning of uh, the new year, around that time, we thought we could start the show with our top 10 moments of uh, 2020. And May had some honorable mentions before we get into our top 10. So may you have the floor. I... I had tons of moments that came off the top of my head. Um, there was a couple moments that in particular I thought deserved to be acknowledged. Uh, first happened on September 20, um, September 29th, uh, Harold Meij uh, stepping down as the president of NJPW. Uh, and some people might not necessarily think like, what's the big deal about that? Uh, he was the one who kind of wanted to treat uh, NJPW as its own singular entity. So with him stepping down, there definitely seemed to be the possibility of a cross-promotion possibility, as uh, we've started to see in other spots. So that would definitely be intriguing. Uh, the other one that I thought was significant, but not necessarily part of my top 10 was when WWE finally debuted the Thunderdome on August 22nd. Uh, I felt they were kind of struggling with having the, the show experience happen, but when they actually, it was this big, beautiful, bright virtual experience, having the fans in there, having the crowd reactions, it felt a lot more organic. I mean, not to, to fault the, the NXT guys actually being in the crowd. I felt, I mean, I thought they did a great job. I love their reactions. There's nothing like having a live crowd. But I mean, there was definitely some faults in that. I definitely saw with the Thunderdome at first, I had questions about it, but seeing it in action, me personally, I was like, why didn't they think of this sooner? Because yes. they definitely had the uh, the possibility of making that happen. If if nobody else could make it happen, WWE could. Yeah, I got to give them and Vince credit. Like that, that really paid off the Thunderdome. Really, you can still see the the fans' faces and stuff like that. So yeah, very good kudos to them. Very good. All righty, and now getting into our top tens, uh, May will start it off. May, what is your number ten moment from the from the past year? My number 10 was Becky Lynch announcing that she was going to be a mommy. Oh, on, that is awesome. Yeah, that was an awesome. On moment. May 11th. I, that was, that was such a happy and also kind of a sad moment. I mean, she had been so dominant up until that moment. I mean, she'd really been helping define the, the women's division in WWE across the board. Um, so but to see see her stepping forward and and saying you know what this is the next part of of my life i love you guys and i'm sharing this with you it was a beautiful moment and it definitely really added you know another extra layer to the the results of the money in the bank match because i was so happy to see oscar win and i i would like to hope that when when that whole ex Change occurred, you know, Asuka's reaction where, you know, opening the suitcase and the belt being there. And it's like, no, you won. And this is, 
this is why, and just that that mutual joy of Oscar won the championship, a hard won championship, I might add, and Becky adding this other chapter to her life was such a beautiful thing. Um, it was there was a lot of emotions there. And it it just it made me very happy, but it also made me kind of sad because because I love Becky and I miss her. Yeah, yeah. I I personally um um I I love yeah. Oscar was a great addition to that because like she she uh, said you're gonna you're gonna be a mother at the end. Like that's kind of was really sweet and kind of added something to it. Um. So let's see. For my top ten, uh. I, I put it in pref, preference order of what I like l- like least to most, so it's not in chronological order. So just give everyone a heads up. There could be some stuff come, happening in SummerSlam late, earlier in the list and stuff at Mania being later in the list. But uh, Same. Yeah. So um, my top 10, even though I'm not a huge fan of him as a heel, but he, no, not, I mean, I am a fan of his heel. He's supposed to not make me make me not like him so he's doing a great job but uh number 10 for me is it finally happened roman reigns is a heel and he yeah. he's he, he he it is working like gangbusters as i say he is doing a great job as a heel the whole and like how he and he even has some like somewhat good guy movement moments inside of his bad guy moments like he didn't want to beat up uh the usos but like he kind of felt in his heelish form like he had to like show his dominance quote unquote so yeah great great job to roman i agree i i feel that was a move that was long overdue i do enjoy the fact that you know we're we're utilizing you know we're utilizing jay even though his brother's injured and out recuperating we're we're still continuing on this storyline he i mean I suppose that's the great thing about a heel turn, you know, the, those moments of interference where it's like, you're supposed to be so dominant, you shouldn't need help, but it's, it's engaging multiple entities. And I, I suppose at the end of the day, it, it, it really is true. Like either if, if people are cheering for you, great. If they're booing you out the building, great. If there's dead silence, you might as well quit. And yeah. I do feel that they're they're using that to their advantage. Uh, to your point about interfering, one thing I would like to see him do is back during the McMahon-Helmsley uh, reign and the 2000s, stuff like that, one of the things I did like is, yes, half the time he did have interference, but some of the grudge matches, Triple H won it by himself. That, oh, that's, God, a, yeah. that, that's, that's one of the things I wish you could see more. Sometimes, yes, the heel does have interference but sometimes when it's like a grudge match like him and mick foley um at royal rumble for the was it technically a hardcore match yeah it was a hardcore match it was technically titled and then hell in a cell the next month like that was all triple h fighting for the most part so things like that so uh may to your number nine (laughs) my number nine was uh the wrestle house part of impact uh that started on uh july 21st and ran through september 2nd essentially it was a reality show where we were dealing with rosemary trying to win uh the attention of uh, one johnny bravo and it turned into this spectacular 
reality series where there was all sorts of personalities playing off each other. And if there was a conflict in the house, you could choose to maintain peace or literally you went out to the ring in the yard and you fought it out. And there were some really, really great matches that resulted from that. And we're still dealing with storylines coming from that. But I'm not even going to lie. If, if that actually became something that was episodic, where all of a sudden it's like, you know what? We're going to take a bunch of you and have another Russell House. I would, I would watch that constantly. Like, it was just so great. Like, the only thing that kind of made me sad was um, Kylie Ray abruptly... Uh, removed herself from the impact roster i'm not sure what happened but whatever she's doing i hope she's doing well and if she does choose to come back to wrestling that would be fantastic but wherever she is i i hope she's doing well oh absolutely yeah that was a great moment uh for me my number nine is actually is it's kind of a couple things like coming together because this was a slowly built feud to a match. And that's between Adam Cole and Pat McAfee. Like that happened so organically. And you know what people like, I, I, I knew he is an athletic guy and I thought it'd be a decent match, but that match was 10 times better than it should have been the one in the summertime. Like, Holy cow. Did they knock that out of the park? That was, that was a pleasant surprise. Well, and the funny thing is like, I, I have people I saw some people complaining online or like when the feud really hit off when when Pat kicked him in the head and everyone's freaking <laughs> out and they're wondering why it's like it's like well to be fair the guy's a professional kicker slash punter so so there's a good reason that he got knocked out by that and I, I was I was saying to my brothers May that like my god that is they might be punter or kickers but I don't want to mess with them just on the off chance they kicking in the guts or the head yeah no thank you there's some people you just don't mess with. There's some people you kind of feel them out. And actually, it's funny because I was seeing an article the other day talking about how like people who strictly do like bodybuilding and weightlifting, like if you try to do any kind of endurance stuff, like they're panting like a puppy within 10 minutes and they don't necessarily know how to like move their bulk. But, you know, guys who quote unquote have dad bods, how they're super strong and they're super fast and they're not the ones you ever want to mess with. That's yeah, it's one of those moments. Absolutely. Yeah. And there's been a lot of moments this year with with some people, you know, making commentary on a individual's physiques and it's like you know i i think you maybe want to reconsider you know trash talking them because if you were next to them would you really hmm, hmm. oh yeah really want to deal with them you know lots of people you know picking on chris jericho and uh you know he's an active front man for a band he's out there every week on on dynamite he's He's a huge proponent and participant of DDPY. And it's like, you know what? I, on top of the fact that his, his dad was an NHL superstar. So it's like, dude, I, I don't think I'd, I'd want him mad at me. Well, for me, I mean, another example of that is Keith Lee might not have the ideal body, but that guy is just, holy like, cow. His cardio is insane. Know. How many? Did you see him launch Drew McIntyre? Yeah. 
Like even Adam Cole went on, on Twitter. He's just like, I know how that feels, man. Because <laughs> I mean, that was an epic gif. I mean, I could watch that on repeat for hours, just like wee. <laughs> but then to see him launch Drew McIntyre, and I was just like, whoa. You know, uh, uh, before we get on to number eight, I, I gotta say. Uh, as long as he's not the champion, I'm fine with him coming back to do matches. I would love to see Keith Lee versus Brock. That would be a pretty exciting match. Just that, that raw power. They were teasing. Well, I mean, that was a moment that was like sort of being teased at last year's Royal Rumble. I mean, that, oh, yeah, who that's knows? Right. Yeah, that would be who great. Who knows? Who knows? And I mean, Brock is is actually very well respected backstage. I, I think that he's kind of waiting things out in terms of, okay, is it safe to travel? Is this going to be worth my time? I, I would like to think that if that were a challenger for him, I'd like to think that he'd be open to it. Yeah. Because another, it would be really spectacular. Yeah. before And I, I know it keeps saying we get to number eight. The other thing I'm even more impressed and respect Brock now is, I actually found out this year when and the takers uh, talking with St- Stone Cold, uh, the I think called the Broken Skull Sessions. Yeah, the Broken Skull what? Sessions. The second one's like he said that, that when Vince came to them about Brock taking the streak, to t- Brock wanted nothing to do with it at first, and then they actually had to convince him to take it from Taker. So I, my respect for Brock got even further. Like he wasn't just he didn't want to do it at first. So major props to him for respecting Taker and stuff like that. But uh, so to number eight, uh, who's what's your number eight? My number eight was John Moxley versus MJF at All Out on September fifth. That was a that was a great match because just, I mean, the match itself was great, but everything leading up to it was spectacular. That was such a great demonstration of both of their abilities. Now. I'm not going to lie. I think MJF is an obnoxious little scab. He's an engaging little scab, which is especially irritating on top of the fact that he actually has talent. And it's just like, oh, gosh, I don't want to give you any kind of credit. But just he there there were so many moments that were so clever that were like woven into it. I mean, his whole like crew, you know, treating it like, oh, it's an election year. And so we have to garner up you know, pomp and circumstance for this. And then when he was walking down the hall and he shoved the guy into the wall, which was the tip of the hat, when he was part of the crew walking with Samoa Joe down the hall at NXT and Joe shoved him into the wall. Yeah, great. Well, so you're saying that, and when people say they hate, I was like, well, you hate him. He's like, yeah, well, I guess he's doing his job. Like he, he, I got, he is, yeah. Like I'm sure he's a nice guy in real life, but you know, He's yeah, I think he's doing a tremendous job with who he's mm-hmm. supposed to be. So uh, for my number eight is a WrestleMania match that I was really worried how it was going to happen because there'd be no fans, and that's my boy Taker and the Boneyard match. That was just that was. I wish that I I hope they do more like theatrical kind of things. Most people like it. There's a few people I know that didn't like it, but as a movie as a movie person, I, I loved it, the story and stuff like that, and how they combine the American badass taker with the dead man taker. So yeah, really great match. I thought that was spectacular too. That, that, I mean, just, we, we needed to kind of reevaluate 
in terms of what wrestling is and how it can be presented. So the notion of a cinematic match is, is a spectacular idea. And I mean, there's been some entities in the business that have really taken that and run with it ahead of their time. <coughs> Matt Hardy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, sorry, got something caught there. Um, but just, it's, it's definitely something that I think when handled correctly is absolutely brilliant. Yeah, so and yeah, actually, if we're going to number seven, we can take that same notion because my number seven would be the stadium stampede. Oh, that was from the twenty third. That was a really awesome match. I love that. Oh my gosh! From beginning to I mean, just everything about that. Just there were so the many stages of that versus the inner circle. They used pretty much every possible creative avenue of that space. It just, I, I, that finished, I was just so happy. My immediate reaction was, that was so awesome. I want to watch that again now. Like, now. My favorite moment from it was when, like, Jake Hager's looking around the arena to find, uh, hang find adam page and he just sees his horse outside of the bar and then he just goes in and drinks with them before they started fighting that was such a that was such yeah that that was such a great moment there were so many great moments the whole moment oh the the pool of resurrection where it was santana ortiz and matt hardy um just the that moment with hager and and hangman and then when kenny came in and they had you know the little toast there but you know kenny insisted on having milk because he doesn't drink um let's see hangman you know taking the the little thing where you know he's drawing the stripes on the field and he puts it over jericho (laughs) um you know the, the 50 yard you know suplex um but just that finish too with you know i mean that really that just shows you know, a really great rapport and a lot of trust where just that finished that one winged angel with Sammy from that height. That was just, I was just in there just like, Wah! it was such a great match. Like, and I mean, honestly, that was, that was my favorite pay-per-view with double or nothing. That was just my favorite pay-per-view, like beginning to end. I could go over every match on that card and explain why, every part of that just made me happy and how it had long-term impact for the whole rest of the year and how it continues to have impact. So, but the stadium stampede just was so awesome. So my, my next one is uh, the next two for me are two people winning titles. Well, actually there's, there's going to be three, but I'm going to save that one for later. But for my first one, just because I'm such a fanboy of his is Finn winning the NXT belt. Uh, Like I love that so much and he's been defending it phenomenally the past few months. So good to see Finn back at his full power. Oh yeah. I just, you know, when he, he kind of, they, they brought him up to the, the main roster and I was so happy when he won the Universal Championship, but then he got hurt, and I just felt like he was floundering. And then when he came back to NXT, and I felt like he really found himself again. I really felt it's just like, okay, 
here's here's the prince. Here's the guy who founded Bullet Club. Here's you know here's the guy we wanted to see. For all intents and purposes, just you know, too sweet. Eh. Come on, it's been fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. So what is uh, your number seven? <clears throat> uh, my number seven was Stadium Stampede. My number oh, six. Oh, six. I'm sorry. Yes, all right. Number six. Sorry. It's okay. Uh, this I was very happy about was uh, the Good Brothers, Machine Gun Carl Anderson and Doc Yellows debuting on Impact. And that was uh, July 28th. That made me so happy because when they were part of a mass exodus from WWE, I was more than a little shocked. And when they showed up, I was just like, okay, okay, let's, let's see what happens here. And pun intended, they made a heck of an impact. They're currently the tag champions. They've been running roughshod. I feel like they have been allowed to let themselves shine. They've been, to steal a term from Stone Cold, they've been kicking ass and taking names, and it's, it's been a joy to watch. They've, they've definitely been making, they've been definitely making their mark on Impact, and it's, it's been a lot of fun to watch. And uh, one thing I would, would like, one thing I loved is you're earlier talking about like doing cross promotional things. I just love that now the Bullet Club's kind of back with them and uh, Kenny Omega together. Mm-hmm. So just like a lot of potential there. Like I hope other companies can kind of see, like, hey, this might get us a bigger buzz if we do this. Mm-hmm. So yeah, very looking forward to, to that. Uh, my number six is another person winning a title. My, the other person I'm a fanboy of, uh, John Moxley winning the AEW title. That was a great lead up, great build between him and Jericho. So that, that was a great, great match. Oh, that was a fantastic match. Yeah, I think we were both freaking out when that happened. Maybe. I was sitting there and I was just like, you know what? I love I love Jericho against my will, but I am absolutely okay with this. I'm... Mm, and he was a spectacular champion. I mean, there were certain circumstances where people kind of were, were kind of hating on him, but at the same time, it's like, you know, we're in the middle of a pandemic. There's different circumstances going on here. And you gotta have priorities. But I, in my personal opinion, he was he was a stellar champion. He represented properly, he was a fighting champion. I thought he was great. And when he he when he won that from Jericho, I was just like, you know what? I couldn't pick anybody else. Oh yeah, he, he and he he came in so hot from uh, from WWE, and he was just slowly building. It was he was organically building, I guess I should say, like slowly organically building and building. And it was like the perfect person at the perfect time, just kind of like how Kenny now was building slowly now. So they 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 just been doing very good there. Shout out because that Kenny's Mays one of Mays favorites. <laughs> Shh, don't tell. <laughs> 
Alrighty. Are we moving on? Uh, yes, yes, yes. Move it on up. Okay. Uh, let's see. So we're at number five. Ah, we're getting to the big leagues. Uh, okay. So my number five. Uh, a little sad here. It's my number five was Brody Lee versus Cody Rhodes, uh, the dog collar match on uh, October 8th. Um, that, because sometimes you have rivalries where you feel like it's run its course and you're just like, okay, I'm good. I'm done with this. And This, I didn't feel had run its course. I felt like it had been handled appropriately where there was this great back and forth. And that match in particular, I mean, I felt like something was a little off when Brody won the championship off, the TNT championship off of Cody. But you knew that something else was coming up. And it was also a great moment to highlight his ability, his dominance as a champion, and also to really put a showcase on the Dark Order instead of them just being like these faceless goons behind him. I thought that was all handled very well. But that match was, that was a spectacular match between the two of them. And, and whoever won at the end of it, it would have been, you know, bravo, you earned it. And you def I, I I know that I personally was left with the feeling that this is a rivalry that still has teeth. This isn't over. So to to learn that that was going to be his last match was as shocking as it was devastating. Absolutely. Yeah, it's so sad to see him gone. And he's a local Western New Yorker from Rochester. Uh, seeing seeing that you, you did mention him, I, I had this originally at number four, but number four and five for me are kind of even. So I'll move this one up since you'd mentioned Brody. Uh, Brody and Matt's debut in early March. And you know what's funny? That was literally when, just when the world started shutting down because we, you, me, uh, I'm sorry, you, me, uh, me and May, I guess we should say, I forget we're talking to an audience <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> in my, in our, in May's husband, our, my cousin, Andrew, uh, we were all going to go to Rochester to watch that, that AEW dynamite. And, uh, what I love from them is everyone was speculating that it was going to be Matt Hardy in charge of the dark order. And we were all hyping for it. And, uh, uh and if I remember, May was me. And May were a little bit let down because we thought it was going to be Matt. But it was like you know, it's like you know what, it makes sense and it's great because Rochester was Brody's home, so that would have been a perfect debut. But boy, oh boy, did they throw that curveball at the end of the at the at the end of the night when Matt showed oh, up? Oh yeah, when Vanguard came, you know, Flying. floating in. And I'm like, and the music started. I was like, oh, 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 oh yeah. Oh, that was so good. So, that great. was so good. And, and I think, you know, the underestimation of, you know, Brody's presence worked in his favor because when they had the vignettes that followed, it was, it was something completely different than we were used to, because I think a lot of us were used to him, you know, being, you know, the strong, wide-eyed psychopath, you know, I think a lot of people aren't necessarily aware of his indie career 
it was very much, you know, him being a member of the Wyatt family or being one half of the Bludgeon Brothers, where I was there wasn't necessarily s- a lot of talk. So I love the Bludgeon Brothers so, so much. <laughs> controlled and so eloquent, and it really it gave him an opportunity to to play, to explore, to to flesh things out. Oh, absolutely. And don't get me wrong, AEW is definitely his best work, but I just had a personal love for the Bludgeon Brothers. There was, just, there was such a, you're, you're going to laugh. I think I said this to you, like their music kind of sounded like Metalocalypse's music. I don't know if you remember. Like the, <laughs> that's why I also loved it. It was such, such an awesome opening. And I, I looked at you, I think, I looked at May and I thought, it's like, they must have had fans of Metalocalypse because that definitely it does sound a little bit like their. <laughs> Oh yeah, we had some fun. Um, actually, there was a company that was working with Tom Savini, uh, where I, I know we're kind of getting off track here, but I think this is this is a really great detail, um, where they were personalizing those gigantic mallets that um, that Harper and Rowan had, and they asked they asked Brody Lee, Luke Harper. Uh, Mr. John Huber, uh, is there any particular details that you want to have? And he said, I want my son's name on the handle. Oh, that's so on awesome. the handle of his gigantic mallet is, it looks like it's runes, but it spells out Brody. That's pretty dope. It's that his oldest sweet. son's name. Yeah. That's when I learned that, I, I'm not going to lie, I got a little choked up. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, that... Oh. Yeah, I, I still love that. Yeah. So uh, what is your number four? My number four happened just recently. The revelation that Sting is officially a member of AEW. That's hilarious. That that, that's December my number four. Second. That's my what? number four, too. Yeah. Air 5, yeah, because I was a little more shocked. <laughs> I, I The only reason I originally put Brody and Matt a little bit higher was because it was the double twist. But even still, that that Sting debut was great. Like, no Mm -hmm. one saw it coming. Kudos to them. That was a great debut. That was. And I really feel like they've done a really great job of utilizing him. They've allowed him to have a voice. Uh, He's, I'm I'm sorry. I, I love him so much. I still have my trading cards as, like, Surfer Stinger from, like, (laughs) Like 89, 90 or something like that. Yeah, I'm dating myself here. But just, I, I've loved him so much. And so it was one of those, like, literally, I felt like you, because when um, when he showed up again in WWE, when you and I were sitting together, when he showed up and you and I, like, literally, we just grabbed each other's hands and just went, ah! Yeah, that was a great debut there, as well. That was like one of two moments we've had that moment. There was that, and then when there was the purple wedding, when Joffrey bit it. Oh, spoilers yeah. People, spoilers. You and I were just like grabbing each other's hands and just going, ah! My God, Joffrey <laughs> has been gone now for about, that's, that was like almost six years now when Joffrey passed. It's yeah. been a while. God, time, time, time is a B-I-T-C-H. <laughs> Watching your vicious little bastard die gave me more <laughs> pleasure than a thousand lying whores (laughs) so um i'll i'll I'll, since we both have the same i'll I'll start with my number three uh number three is 
May knows. I talked about it earlier. Uh, he's my all-time favorite, and I always love him. And even though we knew it was coming, it was I still shed some tears in late November, and it was uh, it was Taker's retirement. And you know he had to do it. He had to go. I still wish he would have fought Sting, and even more than him fighting Sting, I I would have loved to see him fight the Finn as the Demon. And and Finn still petitions, tried to petition that so much. That would have been great, but. You know, that was an awesome way for him to go out. All A lot of his former friends and colleagues were out there, including all the surviving members of the BSK. And then uh, that, that the, the, the uh, 3D, uh, I forget what they call that, where, when Paul came down. Uh, what, what do they call that? I'm having, I'm trying to. The hologram? Hologram, thank you. Yes, hologram, the hologram of Paul. Literally for a second, I somehow forgot the Paul Bearer died in real life because like it looked so like it's like oh my god it's like oh yes but that was that was an awesome moment. That was yeah. Actually, it's interesting because my number three was the Boneyard match. Oh yeah. Because honestly, because I mean, in an interview with with Taker where he he just said. If I could go out, I'd, I'd want to fight him. And I thought that it was handled so spectacularly that, I mean, there was enough of the pomp and the circumstance where it was, you know, that that supernatural touch, but the return of the badass, I how just the whole thing of you know bringing out the coffin and being open and aj popping up and treating the whole thing like a joke i thought that just the whole thing was handled beautifully i really thought that you know the addition of gals and anderson in there as well oh yeah they did a great job like they really emphasized that that honestly because they did such a good job that added to my shock when they were released it's like they they were part of something spectacular what yeah. what well another thing that i i i grad you brought up the the like how great it worked was um how they they made it personal with taker like making fun of him and michelle like the, it was so good so yeah very good um, oh they, they ran a gamut out of motions they they i mean they went all in on that and i mean you know, in terms of a cinematic experience, because I mean, you know, yes, again, I'm dating myself here, but, (laughs) you know, thinking of like every time, you know, when music television actually showed music videos, watching the whole cinematic experience of Michael Jackson's thriller and appreciating all the work that went into creating that experience. And to this day, being able to watch and being like, gosh, this is awesome. I had that feeling watching the boneyard mattress like this this is awesome this is awesome you know having that that excitement instead of just sitting there it's like okay when can i go to the bathroom again (laughs) yeah that was that was that was a great match um my number two and wonder kind of combined so uh if you want to do your number two first then i'll get into my last two my number two as much as I love John Moxley, I 
did more than just a little bit of a happy dance when Kenny Omega became AEW champion. Because I love him unrepentantly. And quite frankly, I, I think Naughty Kenny is infinitely more interesting. On top of the fact that this has literally opened Pandora's box. Because, you know, as we're recording this, you know, tomorrow night on Hard to Kill, Kenny Omega, AEW World Champion, is going to be part of an Impact pay-per-view. So we're already dealing with cross-promotion. So, and, and people in the wrestling world are taking note of this. Yeah, I'm still holding out hope that down the road that NXT superstars show up at AEW or vice versa. I, I would love to see that. I, I, I sincerely hope that, you know, because I mean, I, I do feel that AEW has become a land of opportunity. Again, with, with Double or Nothing being my favorite pay-per-view because Cody won the TNT Championship, the inaugural championship, and he immediately had that open invitational. That's how we got eyes on independent talent. That's how a lot more people became aware of Ricky Starks, who then got signed. Uh, Eddie Kingston, who then got signed. We had Warhorse, who has a huge following, um, has done work on Ring of Honor. Um, you know, it, it could keep, it could have kept going. Oh, absolutely. So, and, well, for example, for me, one reason I started watching it with uh, you and Andrew was uh, JR became the official voice of AEW and like, if you want to watch pro wrestling, the best way to watch it is listening through JR. JR mm -hmm. is just so, and I'm happy. Like, I now I'm hooked on it, not just because of JR. It's like that, this is like another layer that adding it to you. So, yeah, I, I, again, I, the only reason I didn't rank it in my top 10 is I was, even though I'm happy for Kenny, I, I, you know, John was my guy. So I was kind of a little sad that John lost, but I felt a, I felt a little bad. I felt a little, a little, a little bad. <laughs> but I did a happy dance and it was so funny because you know my husband looks at me and he goes are you sure you could root for heel Kenny and after I stopped laughing about seven minutes later I was just like <laughs> oh honey you never watched NJPW did you <laughs> I'm sorry I it just I feel I mean again you know I'm going to totally steal the words of, you know, our beloved invisible hand on Callis. You know, they were biding their time. They were waiting to strike when the moment was there. And, you know, I just, I think it's, it, I think it's a spectacular, beautiful thing because whether you love them, whether you hate them, you're paying attention, you're feeding into it. It's, it is creating a buzz and an interest that really has not happened in a long time. So, I mean, the initial match, the initial impact of it, I mean, yeah, there's those feelings, but I couldn't, I mean, I couldn't help but look at the big picture of, oh, this, oh, this has just become infinitely more interesting. Oh, absolutely. So oh. I'm going to do my two and one together just because it's a combo so okay. everyone in 2009 vince mcmahon went on smackdown and brought this man out saying that one day he'll be the chosen one it took 11 years and a terrible 
trio band, but God, God love it. Uh, Drew McIntyre not was number two for me. Drew won the rumble. And then combining with that number one is he won the title and became the guy for WWE. And one thing I'll, I'll give them credit because it happened knowing, knowing what happened at the rumble. If you remember me, we were furious the first quarter half of the rumble. We thought it was going to be like a Brock, fast and you know what i'm happy they did it now because it made us appreciate what came over later and it teased oh, us and it teased us for drew mcintyre versus brock so it took him a so long long journey and he finally got it so i was so so happy for both those moments well and also thankfully i mean he he by his own admission he he made a lot of mistakes when he was younger and he had a lot of hardships but i mean he he, he put in the work and I really feel that he has been a spectacular champion. I mean, he has shown to be, he's just been spectacular. I mean, he's got, he's got a great look. He's extremely athletic. He's, he is so engaging. He's, he's great on the mic. He is funny. Like, oh, yeah, I, he's I, great, yeah. I remember like, being part of that like when he was in when he he came back and was in nxt and when he lost the championship to andrade and he was out for a while because he was injured but then you know he came back on you know the main roster and i was like okay but then it's just like you know he's just like this voiceless brute behind you know dolph ziggler and i was like what come on now yeah i'm really happy he was able to show that I'm so glad that, and I'm not trying to knock Ziggy because he, he no, does. No, of course work not. Hard. Yeah, he does. He, he works his butt off. He does. And, uh, well, yeah, he's got no ass. Anyway, um, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> sorry. Anywho, um, no, I, I really, I really appreciate the fact because, I mean, sometimes, you know, you have in- entities where it's like they're getting the push and, they just kind of plateau where I feel like he's really grabbed the ball, run with it and turned this into something that's really got his personal touch on it. I I really enjoy, I've really enjoyed his championship run. Yeah. Another thing I quick, another quick thing I loved as a, as being a part Scotsman, the in Survivor Series when he pulled out the claymore, I'm like, oh, okay, that's just that's just beautiful. <laughs> Very good. So, uh, so May Drumroll, what is your number one? My number one because I can't think of a moment where I popped harder last year was when Edge returned at the Royal Rumble. Oh my God, I forgot about Edge. I, How I, could you I, forget? You were in the room with me. We were jumping just, up and running around. It was like a key and peel sketch, man. You know what? I'll, I'll since I'm, a, since I'm a co-host, I'm gonna make that a one A, because I, I cannot, I cannot, I cannot believe I, I blanked on that. Oh my god! Oh, I, like, I, I couldn't. I just like just that moment. Just you think you know me, and we just. <gasps> with that excitement that when I sat back down I literally started to cry. I was just oh my oh my god <gasps> Yeah that was oh god yeah 
such a good moment, and I'm hopefully he can do a few more matches. Well, I mean, he he had injury, he had surgery. I mean, I've been keeping it kind of quiet. I mean, there's parts of me. Well, I mean, if you know, if we're done with our top ten, you know, hopes for you know the next year. I'm not gonna lie because they're still holding on to this whole, you know, Randy Orton versus the Fiend thing. And, you know, there's been times where Edge, you know, walked on the dark side with other people. And, you oh, know, so Edge versus the, the enemy Fiend. of my enemy is my friend. Yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah. Also, I, I don't know how much longer AJ is going to be at WWE, but that would be a phenomenal match at Mania. Edge versus AJ. And again, that was a good, I, I liked the match between Edge and Randy, but like, I just, I really wanted him to wrestle some of the guys he never got a chance to that are in there right now. Like, again, not a yeah. knock, not, not a knock to Dolph. Like they had great matches, but I don't want to see another Dolph and Edge match. I just want to see some five-star matches from guys he never had the chance to face. Like Edge and AJ would be great. I would love to see Edge and AJ go at it. That would be such a perfect match. Yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely a case of, yeah, because I mean, again, I think that there's, I think that there's, there's rivalries that kind of run the gamut, and it's like, okay, we can close that chapter. There's others that, depending on how they're handled, can still be intriguing and interesting. But you know that that takes a creative touch. I. And, you know, I, I apologize if this is overly critical because I know a lot of people love Randy Orton. I just, I feel like he never really, uh, what's the word for it? I feel like he doesn't necessarily, like, evolve. Yeah. Like, he, he's kind of set in his niche. And yeah. it's not necessarily a very wide yard, so to speak, that he plays in. And I mean, some people find their niche and they stay in it. I mean, look, look at Ultimate Warrior. Look at Hulk Hogan. And it is what it is. But I mean, for me personally, there's, there's the, the guys who have the long standing, really intriguing careers to me are the ones who can make that transition. That's why I've always loved Stone Cold Steve Austin. Oh, absolutely. That's why I've always loved Mick Foley. That's why I've always loved AJ Styles. So, yeah, it's going to be And with Finn Balor, I mean, he started off squeaky clean, but, I mean, he's had such great transitions. I don't know if he ever really wants to go back to dealing with the demon. But I mean, the the point is, he's he's willing to move in different directions and grow and change and evolve. Well, the nice thing about the demon is he uses it very sparingly, so I think he can every once in a while bring it out, which I like. But uh, oh, yeah. to, to uh, my thing, what I'm looking forward to the most in, in the new year, 2021, I'm per, I'm 50 percent sure this is going to happen. It might not happen, but. The dream match for me at Mania is the Tribal Chief. I know we've been talking about this, of that family. To, in my opinion, not no thinking against Roman and WWE storylines, 
to the actual tribal chief of that family, The Rock. Mm-hmm. And, and you know what? They, they've been slowly building this kind of like, they they're kind of knew it might not happen, but like it kind of seems like the past few years, like they're, they already put jabs on, like, well, your cousin did this or that and this. And like, and like can you imagine how good of a match that would be between Rock and Roman? Oh my God, I, I would love to see that match happen. And then he would look at the eye and say, and you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> oh god yeah Sorry. so so what do you think that would be a pretty awesome match to see roman and the rock i think that could be a really really great match um that that absolutely could be very very entertaining i you know i i'm trying to think of just you know i would like to see a greater expansion of you know crossovers I, I mean, the moment where it was like, hey, Kenny Omega is going to appear on Impact and immediately people started coming up with dream matches just between the two. And I loved that immediately Sammy Callahan was just like, hey, John Mox, we have a we have a conversation we never finished. Yeah, so and I, they were on the Indies together. So, I mean, that would be spectacular if the possibility of NJPW, you know, jumping into the fray, you know, having you know actual interactions with og bullet club uh kota ibushi finally finally won the championship uh jay white well he beat jay white and i mean that kid is spectacular so um i know that dalton castles apparently a free agent from ring of honor although they did put in an offer but let me tell you he is spectacular. I've seen him wrestle live. That guy is like dripping in charisma and wherever he ends up, he is going to be spectacular. Just, I feel like there's been a lot of steps made where the future is just rife with possibilities. Yeah. I, I guess that's another thing I'm looking forward to all the possible crossovers that could happen this year. So I'm going to, I'll say this, it's going to be a great year in wrestling to finish that off and uh to hype up for the rumble guys uh the next few weeks we're gonna we're gonna try to figure out how we can do it but we're either gonna review or watch our favorite rumble matches so that's gonna be that's gonna be something pretty exciting and uh to give you a little bit of excitement uh i've i picked mine said it's gonna be the 07 rumble and honestly it's not just that taker won it which don't get wrong, it's a huge factor, but that was that was just top from start to finish. That was a great rumble. So really looking forward to that. So guys, this is our debut episode. Again, I'm Andy. I'm May. And we're cousins at Break Kayfabe. Have a week. Take care, y'all. <laughs>